Hello, everyone. I'm Victoria Reed. My co-host Susan Stevens and I are excited to welcome our guest, Mary Lou Villar, also known as Malou. Malou is an adventurer who started her mountain climbing and other adventures in her late 50s. She is truly that everyday woman doing extraordinary things that we want to celebrate at NED. Welcome, Malou. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hi, Malou. Glad you're here. Hi, Susan. Thank you. Malou, tell people briefly about yourself. My name is Mary Villar. I'm 64 years old. I have two kids, 37 and 35. I'm a grandmom, a one-year-old boy, and I live in New York. I know you're originally from the Philippines, so tell me uh, how the Philippine culture helped you become who you are today. Well, growing up in the Philippines, my mom won't let me do any sports or you know, I love sports and my mom won't let me do that. My father, he's the one that pursued me to become who am I today. So he encouraged you to be who he, you are yeah, today. He encouraged me. He encouraged me to do, you know, all the sports, all the martial arts and basketball, playing basketball, playing, playing outside, outside the house all the time. Do you feel like your father encouraged you because... He had a belief that boys and girls are equal? Correct. Because I know that um, the Philippine culture, it's very traditional. And, and yes. so what you're saying is your mother wanted you to be feminine. She didn't think it was feminine for you to pursue sports. Correct. That's true. Wants me to play a piano <laughs> or, or Nothing wrong like with that. that. <laughs> I, yes, I know, but... Uh, I'm very sporty. I know I, since I was a kid, I love martial arts. I love playing outside, you know, playing boys. All my, all, all my friends were all boys. I have, I have a few friends that are girls uh, growing up, but I'm very, very boyish growing up. And my dad, he's the one that encouraged me to do uh, those stuff. So you were... Would you say you were competitive, Malou, when you were a child? I remember when I was, uh, I think, 10 years old, he gave me, he, let me, he lent me my brother's boxing glove, and I go to the street and pick up, pick up a fight with the boys. <laughs> and you won? Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so as you started to grow older, uh, what actions did you feel like you took personally, to start being your own person and start to release yourself from some of these societal and family restrictions? Oh, I always uh, sneak out from my mom. When she found out that I do, I play basketball, I do martial arts. So you were punished for that. That was not encouraged. Yes. Okay. No. So you did you feel like you were sort of not able to be your full self, that you had to hide that side of you? Yes. And, and then what was your education and your work background? I graduated uh, Bachelor of Science in Criminology, like criminal justice, and mm-hmm. I work in the bank as a banker. Uh, my my, my uh, major was document analyst, that's so why I work in the bank as a document analyst. Then oh, wow. I get promoted, and then I get married. What was your ultimate dream? Was that the dream, or did you have other aspirations? Oh, no, banking? I have a dream. I, I, I want to be... Uh, a police officer or a military. My parents don't want me to uh, work a military because, you know, back in the Philippines, it's very dangerous to be a, a female 
uh, police officer or in military. Probably dangerous for either sex, but even more so for women, right? Correct. Did you pursue the American dream coming here? What was it that you found appealing about coming to America? Is the freedom, you know, so I can do anything I want here in America. Mm-hmm. There's no stopping, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. There's no like limit. Yes. Well, how do you think being in America and becoming a U.S. citizen, how has that changed who you are? Oh, becoming a U.S. citizen is, I'm so proud of myself mm-hmm. because I did it, I did it myself. You yes. Know? I came here in America, 1989. I have only $1 in my pocket. I don't have no money, but because I left my money back in the Philippines. So from here, I, I work any kind of job, you know. I work housekeeping, caregivers. I work on a You're gardening? gardening, yeah. Yes. Painting uh, houses, painting uh, fences wow. in Maryland. I did everything. I work at McDonald's just to make money. You came yes. to the U.S. with a dollar in your pocket. Yes. But I have money, but that's not mine. Yeah. It's a show money. I have $5,000, but it's not my money. It's from my sister-in-law. Yes. Uh, I borrowed from her to show money to the immigration. Yes. So when I came in America, I was I said I was gonna just stay for six months as a tourist. Mm-hmm. Then I saw the opportunity that there's a lot of opportunity here in America. You know, yes. just work hard and you can get anything you want. I'm very ambitious that yeah. I wanna do this, I wanna do that. So despite the difficulties, why did you think you had the motivation to persevere? And make it in America, as they say. This is what I said. Uh, you know, if you work hard in America, you can you can make it. Mm-hmm. Don't be lazy. Yes. Don't just sit around and eat something on a couch. No, I work <laughs> hard. <laughs> I work hard, and the money that I save, I send it to the Philippines for my family. And for you, when you when you think about. Uh, making it in America, how do you define that for yourself? It's my family that is my inspiration that I said, you know, I can make it in America. That's what I said. I always always said, I'm going to make it here in America. That's good. Did that mean you being self-sufficient, doing things for yourself and for your family, it sounds like? Yes, I did. I worked anything, any job. I said, I'm Jacob Aldred, master of none. (laughs) I just work everything just to make money. So now tell us about how you made this transformation to uh, fitness and your other adventures. Yeah, one day my son and I were like car washing and my son said, mother, you're getting fat. You have a fat on your back like Rama. And I I just get conscious, you know, (laughs) self-conscious. So I said, oh, what I'm going to do now? I'm thinking about myself. Yes. So I went to the gym. It's called right here. I started working out. Yes. Then then I saw the third like, months, you know. My children were younger. So I, yes. got, I have to take care of them in the morning to go to school. By 5 o'clock, by 5 to 5.30, I wake up. My children were sleeping. I leave them by themselves in the house. And I go to the gym. But on an hour and come back. And when I come back, I know I give them breakfast, dress them, and take them to their school bus. And every day I do that. Then after months, 
I saw myself changing, you know, I have like, I'm getting fit. Since Did that give you confidence having, show, seeing that transformation of your body? Correct. Yes. I'm very confident. I said, oh, I can do it. And then, uh, then I became a personal trainer at the gym. Oh, wow. Yes. And I passed my exam to become a personal trainer at the gym. So I worked three jobs wow. to take care of my children. Personal wow. trainer. I work as I work at the store and sometimes I do waitressing just to, to support my children here in America. Did you notice also that it had an impact on your mental attitude? Correct. Yes. Because, you know, you, I, I boost my self-confidence and I said, I can do this. Yes. And I'm more, I became more friendlier to other people. I oh. met a lot of people at okay. the gym, like a social thing. Mm-hmm. And were you more adventurous, you think, because you were more confident? Correct. Yes. When my children grow up and they're, they're finished college here, they finished school, and then I start doing for myself, mm-hmm. you know, I said, no, it's time for myself. My children are grown up. And so I start doing for myself. I became more adventurous. I became more active at the gym and became more active uh, with my uh, martial arts like that. You were telling Susan and I that interesting story where you had the opportunity to train with uh, an instructor who was formerly Bruce Lee's instructor in boxing, didn't you? Tell yes. But no, actually, it's not boxing. It's a Jeet Kune Do and oh. a Filipino Kali. He's a Filipino a martial arts legend, Dan Inosanto. Okay. He's, he, he's, he lives in California now. He was our main instructor for uh, Kundo and Kali. Kali is the arnis for the Philippines. You know, the two sticks. Two, okay. I, have a picture, I have a picture with him. Yeah, and then he was my inspiration because he's like, he was in his 80s. Wow. When I met him and he can, he's very strong mm-hmm. and very healthy. And how, and, how did you come to meet him? How did you get in oh, touch with him? Yeah, we were, uh, I was at the gym where his, his student was my, my instructor. Mm. So I met him there. And when he asked me, how old am I? I said, I'm 60 years old. And he was like, surprised because I'm the only fem- <laughs> Filipino female. Yes. That, yeah. That uh, play, you know, play martial arts with him. Wow. That must have made you feel good, right? Of course. Yes. I'm very, I'm very honored to have a picture with him. Sounds like you found him very inspirational. Yes. Did he teach you a lot about mental fitness as well? Mental strength? Yes. Yeah. He, he, he told me that, uh, be focus what you're doing. Tell Susan and I how you then made your transition from your adventures in the gym to the outdoors with mountain climbing. Oh, yes. Um, when I was, you know, in New York City, it's so hectic, you know, always work, work. And sometimes it's boring, you know, <laughs> the hustle and bustle of the city. Yes. So one day I said, I get so bored. I said, I want to go to the mountain. Uh-huh. So I Googled a company that they pick up pick up people at the station and bring it to the mountain and hike. So I did. It's the first time. It's back in 2015. Uh-huh. So I enjoyed being outside uh, up the mountain, you know, uh-huh. with, by connect, with, connect with nature. So 
every weekend, I start doing that. And then one day, I get bored. I said, I want to do more. <laughs> so I went to, I, I said, I want more higher mountain, big mountain. I went to Machu Picchu, Peru for three days, four nights on the mountain. It was great because, you know, meeting with other people from different countries, different culture, mm -hmm. and you see the uh, Machu Picchu is, was like uh, 15,000 years ago built by the Incas on, on the mountain. It wow. was an amazing experience. What, was it a spiritual experience for you as well? Connecting with nature and uh, with all those things, it feels me differently. Yes. Being being outside, you know, being on the top of the mountain in, in the city is so different. Does that require special training to get there? For my training, I was very active first. You know, you have, have to be fit. Yes. Being fit, I go to the gym mostly every day or every other day. I love rice, you know, Filipino love rice. Yep. Uh -huh. I eat rice morning, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, just being fit. I run outside. I climb mountains like that here on the weekend. My training is different. I walk with my backpack up and down the steps of the subway. For my financial, I work and work and save. And then when I get money, I Google where can I go and then what, where, where can I get a, uh, to save money, like a cheaper, cheaper company. And then... I, I go, I just go. Like when I went to Kilimanjaro, I went to Kilimanjaro back in 2017. Mm -hmm. That was my first, uh, uh, that's my first big mountain. It's 19,341 feet. I mm -hmm. was the old, I was only Filipino and I'm the oldest one and the shortest one <laughs> in the group. Yes. And I'm glad I made it. But on the second to, second to the last of the summit, I feel like I'm gonna quit, but I said no. I, I'm I'm already here. I'm not gonna quit. I cried. I get emotional. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I said no. I'm here already. I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna quit. So, I start going up to the summit. When you were at Kilimanjaro, what was going through your mind? Did you feel like you were branching out and pushing yourself? to kind of expand your horizons. What was it about Kilimanjaro that inspired you? When we were going up, uh, this is the summit night. The mm -hmm. summit night was, uh, we, we left like 3, 2 a.m. In the, in the morning. It was so dark. Only the lights are on our headlamp. Mm -hmm. And we were walking. It was so, so, uh, the wind was so strong. And I thought, um, I thought I'm going to blown off of the mountain because of the wind. Oh wow! But I was, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and and my guide, he said, "You can do it, Mary Lou. You can do it." And I said, "Of course, I can do it. I'm a strong woman." <laughs> <Say that. laughs> so, uh, walking up is uh, like eight hours from the base to to the summit, and at the end of the second to the last summit, it's called Stella Point, and I cried, and I said. Oh no, I'm not gonna make it because my leg, my leg was so tired. But wow. I wasn't have any uh, altitude sickness. I only my legs were so tired. And then I cried and I said, and I said, Lord, give me more courage and strength to do this. And then after that, 
I stepped for a little bit and then walked up to the to the summit and I made it to the summit. It's That's amazing. This, yeah, it was 19,341 feet. And I said, I'm so proud of myself, you know, sitting on a, on the summit. And I said, with my tears in my eyes, and I said, Lord, thank you. I made it. I made it to the, to the top of the mountain, to the top of a, of a, the highest mountain of, in Africa. Congratulations, you, you persevered. Quite a climb, over 19,000 feet. Yeah, and my age, I was almost 58 then. 58. That, is, that is amazing. But also, it shows you that there's really, as we call this, the no expiration date. Doesn't matter how old you are. You have to keep persevering. Yeah, if you train yourself, like you say, respect your body, do the work. And that's why you realized your uh, dream of summiting at Mount Kilimanjaro. So then uh, tell us about Everest. Oh, it's on Everest Base Camp. Yes, quite an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. After, you know, after Machu Picchu, and then after then Mount Kilimanjaro, mm -hmm. then I went to Everest Base Camp on uh, 2019. And it was fun. It's not that not like hard, like difficult, like Mount Kilimanjaro. Same thing. I'm the oldest one and the shortest one. I'm the only Filipino that climbed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was so glad because I'm very fit. I keep up with these young kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, tell us about the camaraderie and the teamwork with the other mountain climbers. They just very, uh, they admired me so much. They said I'm their inspiration because they're much younger than me. They're like my children. You know, they're, <laughs> like, in their, they're like in their 30s and 20s. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I'm like their mom there. But then they, were, they admired me. They, they said, you're my inspiration, you know. And every time they sit and they said, look at Mary Lou. She's walking. So they start walking again. <laughs> yeah. And... And this, I, I, I was, I feel glad because you know, I became their their inspiration. Yes, sounds like it. And then, uh, can you tell us also about your experience working with the Sherpas and uh, the people who were really were helping you and the other climbers? The Sherpas and the guys are very helpful. You know, they carry all my stuff, but we have only carry, I call the day pack. Okay. It's in your backpack every day. Your your water, your snacks, your extra clothes, your raincoats like that. And most of everything where the Sherpas are taking care of it. Wow. And then they're going to build the the you know no, actually we don't sleep on a tent, we sleep in a hut. I see. It's very uh -huh. yeah, it's very, very cold. There's no heater. You wow. don't take a you don't take a shower for seven days. <laughs> <laughs> Just like in Kilimanjaro, you don't take a shower for seven days. So yeah. then what happens in those conditions? How do you stay warm? Sherpa told me that if I go to sleep, you know, my, my water jug, put hot water mm -hmm. and put it inside my uh, sleeping bag. Oh, that's that warm. Me, that's, yeah, that gives me warm. But why do you find it so rewarding despite the challenges? I challenge myself. I don't challenge other people. Mm -hmm. It's for me. The challenge is the challenge myself. I give other people motivations that if I said, if I can do it, you can do it. And that's why the people that on my group, they were like, they were admiring me. 
because instead of giving them a, a wrong attitude, I give mm-hmm. them positive attitude. They try, they want, they want to quit mm-hmm. no, because they said they can do it. But I said, I know I give them motivations. So what do you say to those in our audience who say, oh, I'm too old to do these adventures? I always said age is only a number because I started doing this when I was 50, 58, 55. Mm-hmm. And until now I'm doing it. I'll be 64 and I'm still climbing mountain. I'm going back to Nepal. I'm going to climb another mountain. What are you going to climb? What mountain? Yes. Uh, it's called Annapurna Circuit. It's much lower than Everest Base Camp. Yes. Much lower than Kilimanjaro. It's only 17,000 plus feet. Okay. But the challenge is just, it's like, uh, you know, it's the weather. Uh, it's very cold. And they said it's more technical. I see. But, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, have, I don't know yet. What have you learned along the way so that it's affordable for other women who want to follow in your footsteps? I learned that you have to talk to local company because the company that, you know, from outside the country, outside here in United States and Europe are more expensive because they are middle, they have, they have middlemen. If you, go, if you go straight to the local company, like in Nepal, in Kathmandu, mm-hmm. there's a lot of local company that give you same quality of service and much cheaper, half price. Yes. But how can I, as for example, if I'm in America and I want to follow in your footsteps, how do I access these people? Are they on the web? They have on the web. And if you wanted, you know, I could give you their local numbers, their email. Okay. Yeah, they became my friend on Facebook. Even in Kilimanjaro and Peru and in Nepal, they became my friend on Facebook. And another thing that I think um, prevents a lot of people, especially in America, from traveling these long distances is they think that the airfare is too expensive. Was there a way? I mean, did you have to get yourself there to Nepal on your own or did they also help you with that? So it's not a package deal, I think, like Susan is saying, right? You can't get yeah. Oh, no, no, it's not a package deal. It's not a package deal. Only mm-hmm. you, you're going to pay them for their services, your food on the mountain, you know, your grad- graduity for the surplus, but uh, your airfare is yours. Mm-hmm. The hotel at Kamandu, a couple nights are included. After okay. that, it's not included. I think one of the things that we are really trying to promote, Malu, with Ned is we feel that by going on these adventures, broadening your horizons, you can also be more engaged with the world and be impactful at these communities, you know, that you touch. Yes, I became friendly with them. They are all my friends, all the Sherpas Mm -hmm. and the guides, even the people at the hotel. You know, it's cultural differences, but they're so nice people. Yes. And I'm humbled of what I have here in America. Yes. What I experience in America and then done in other countries. They're very appreciative. The uh, people and not, not even in Nepal, even people in, in Peru and mm-hmm. uh, Africa. In, in right. Africa. Yeah. Everything, you know, they appreciate everything. And it sounds like it's really um, opened your eyes, right, about being grateful for what you do have when you look at these communities with 
much less, but I think from what you shared with Susan and I, yet so happy, right? Very positive. Yes. Yeah. What other takeaways do you feel like you have learned from interacting with all of these different cultures? Yeah, just learning their culture. Mm -hmm. As a person, I became more appreciative of every, what everything I have here in America. Yeah, and I'm more, become more friendlier to other people. And then when yeah. you're there, Malu, what are some ways that you contribute? I think you told Susan and I that you always try to bring little gifts, little souvenirs to give your Sherpas, don't you? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I brought, when I, when I went there, even in Kilimanjaro, mm -hmm. uh, I brought a, I love New York shirt. It's only shirts. <laughs> yes. like, only like, it's so cheap here in America, yeah. you know. And I brought it after, and after hike, we have mm -hmm. like a little party. Mm -hmm. And then I give them one by one. And they're very, very appreciative of that. Just a little thing. They're very appreciative. And I love that, you know? Yeah. Not like here in America. People, you have everything. And they don't appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the more um, fulfilling aspects of travel is getting to know the local people. And all the people that you met over in Nepal and all of the other places you've been. Do you, did you forge friendships there? Do you still keep in touch with some people that you met? Oh, yes. Yeah. I still have friends. I'm friends with them uh, on Facebook and we say hi. My, one of my main guy there was a pastor. Oh, wow. And uh, he had his church. So we were talking one day and he said, no, he have a new church and they, they want, uh, they need like some uh, Bibles like that or some uh, organ, mm -hmm. you know, and I said, okay, I have extra cash here. So I sent it to him. Oh, that's and nice. I, and he bought a, <laughs> an organ. Wow. Yeah. And I said, oh, my, I feel so good because, you know, makes difference. Yes. And then in Nepal, uh, my, my other guide there, he asked me if I could uh, contribute some for the school. I because see. For the children. And I said, okay, I have some cash here. So I sent money to buy uh, uh, notebooks or papers and pencils, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And they, sh they show it to me, that they what they bought. They're not just taking your money and, and not uh, using it for the greater for good. For themselves. No, exactly. no, no, no. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Hopefully we have a global reach. Uh, Susan and I are trying to really create a global forum of community of women. So how can they contribute and to the school, to the pasture, that kind of thing? Are those tips you can share with us then that maybe we can post on our website? Yes, I will let you know. Uh, so I found out, you know, how, how we can help them. That sounds good. After all, you're going back in May. So you'll have more information to share with us. We'll want to hear more about your travels when you return. Yes, I will. Why should other women invest in these types of adventures? For myself, based on my experience. Yes. I'm more healthier. Yes. I'm more healthier. I'm more focused with what I do. I'm happier. I'm very proud that I don't take any maintenance mm -hmm. or any medications. And uh, that's why I'm, uh, I'm so glad that I'm very healthy because of doing this climbing mountain, uh, do adventures, do the gym. Saves me money for medications for doctors. <laughs> Do you feel embarking on these adventures and being fearless that you are inspiring people out there and changing the stereotype about women 
uh, as they advance in age? Yes, of course. You know, uh, people, when they said when they turn 50, they said they can do anything. But no, it's not. I, as my, for myself, I said life begins at 40. That's yes. why I started doing going to the gym. Yes. And being being by yourself, not like listening to other people, just yes. uh, just sitting in the house doing nothing, get your cookies in bed. No, <laughs> you know, I'm not like that. And being healthy, being active is uh, give you strength, give you your physical fitness is more uh, stress reduction. Do you feel like you, you've had more um, more freedom to do what you want to do, being healthier and more fit? Yes, I have more free, yeah, freedom. And being more fit becomes you more, increase your confidence, your self-confidence. Yeah. yeah. And being healthy is boosting your flexibility like mm-hmm. that. You know, yeah. you're more, more flexible. And being outside the city, going mm-hmm. to the mountain, like, as you're connecting with thing with nature, you you like freedom. You when you're up on the mountain, you have freedom, and peace and quiet. So Malu, it's really impressive what you have accomplished, but there's there still a dream yet to be fulfilled. Yes, uh, actually, it's not a dream. It's a plan. My plan to climb on Everest, the summit. So what is the challenge that you face, Malu, in achieving that dream? Is financial financial thing, and it's money, and it's very expensive to to go up there. You have to stay two months on the mountain plus training. So, uh, around how much would that cost? Uh, I heard when you the company in the Nepal they said sixty five thousand for two months plus I'm going to train with them. So that's an investment of two months plus training? Correct. Wow. And what's the dream then once you summit Mount Everest? What's the record that you're trying to establish? I want to be the oldest Filipino woman or the oldest woman to climb Mount Everest, to summit Mount Everest. What is the record today? I think it's 57 years old. A youngster. Yeah, I want to be, I want to, my dream, my dream is like, I want to before 70, before I was 65, but there's no money. uh, I'll be 65 next year. So I want to climb it by next year, but I don't have no monetary thing. Okay. So you feel like you're physically fit, mentally prepared. Really, your biggest obstacle right now is having the funds to be able yes. to achieve that dream. Yes, I'm very fit. Malu, do you have any parting thoughts, words of encouragement to the NED listeners? I would like to encourage the NED listeners to be, especially women, to be out there to climb, hike, trek, backpacking adventures because it's not about the summit. It's about the journey. Love the process of climbing, hiking, and trekking. All its entails, whether it is perfect or a painful struggle. All, at the end of the day, either as a difficult journey that you already become a better climber and a better adventurer, better tre- trekker, hiker, you grow as a person 
the bottom line is the love the love of hiking trekking and uh, and being adventurer and all you you always have a great day on on the mountain thank you so much malu Join Susan and I in a future podcast when we check in with Malou after she completes her next adventure hiking the Annapurna Circuit in Nepal.